everybody. Welcome to the 291st edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, chilling live and direct from Beaverton, Oregon. We're going to finally talk about the G League Ignite players. Out of this three-man weave of the players that are worthy of a first-round pick, who, uh, who excited you the most? Thankfully, it was the player that we are going to be uh, talking about now. And, you know, there are a few collegiate players we still need to discuss, but this was a player whose name I continued to see and saw rising up draft boards and, and big board lists. And I was like, okay, I, I, I need to, to figure out who Dyson Daniels is. Um, you know, he obviously didn't play in college basketball. And I, when you're trying to follow the NBA and you're trying to follow college basketball, there's just simply no time to turn on the TV and watch a, a G League Ignite game like that. That just doesn't happen. So shout out to everyone who does midseason scouting on, you know, the overtime elite and the G League Ignite and the international prospects. But my poor brain can only handle at max you know, two divisions of, of basketball. So, you know, the collegiate season wrapped up with the Kansas Jayhawks winning the national championship over the North Carolina Tar Heels. And we're winding down the NBA regular season, getting ready to go into the postseason. So now it's time for, for me at least to kind of dive into some of these prospects. And uh, it, it was Dyson Daniels and, and you're referencing uh, Michael Foster Jr. And Jaden Harvey, as well as Marjon Beauchamp um, along with Dyson Daniels. So they have you know th- four players that are draft eligible that could hear their name called uh, in June uh, during the, the annual draft. But to, to get to Dyson Daniels, uh, shooting guard uh, stands at 6'6". I couldn't get a definitive listing on his wingspan. I'm going to put it down as 6'10". I heard it referenced anywhere, multiple occasions, both in the game we watched and online, that his wingspan is anywhere between 6'9 and 7 feet tall. Sounds like he's still growing uh, the same goes for his weight. I, I've seen it listed anywhere between 170 and 200 pounds. So uh, thankfully, we do have the draft combine, which we will get accurate measurements. And I think that will really impact uh, his stock as well, because players uh, on the wing with with long wingspans tend to really have that added value. Uh, he's 19 years old, uh, turned uh, 19 just a few days ago on March 17th, is from Bendigo, ben, Bendigo Australia. Uh, His father, Ricky, played professionally in Australia, and he is actually the first highly touted prospect outside of the U.S. school system to sign with the G League Unite. Uh, Currently, he is number 12 on the Ringers big board, and we are going to be discussing the game that took place on January 7th uh, against Mexico City, Uh, and we will also just talk about his game in general. I'm sure you took taken the time and watched a plenty of clips and scouting highlights, scouting reports, and put together our comprehensive uh, opinions on on Dyson Daniels. But his Ignite stats are as follows on on the season, Uh, 11.3 points, uh, 6.2 rebounds, 4.4 assists. He shot 44.9% from the field, uh, 25.5% from three, 73.7% from the line, uh, nearly two steals a game, nearly a block per game, did that all in over 31 minutes of action. It's important to note when we discuss Dyson Daniels uh, in regards, in comparison, excuse me, to the collegiate prospects is 
Dyson's playing a full 48 minutes. The, the G League is on the NBA uh, rules and regulations list. So they're playing 48 minutes. The three-point line is the NBA three-point line. So this isn't a, a collegiate percentage. This is what he shot from NBA range. So I thought that was uh, something that I had to kind of store in my brain while I was watching uh, th- this footage. Uh, like this is NBA court, NBA regulation, everything. Um, Going against grown men. This isn't, dude, this when, isn't when some kid track. That, that game uh, in the G League Ignite, and they said, and now checking in, Pujetter. I'm like, what? This dude's older than I am. Yeah. Uh, Jetter is a Portland legend, played at the University of Portland from like 02 to 06. Um, I did just a, you know, a quick tangent. I was like, I think he did get an NBA call up and sure enough, he did back in 2010, 2011 with the Sacramento Kings. But, you know, Pooh Jetter has been, uh, he is a hooper. Like when you talk about, you know, the basketball player versus hooper debate, whatever you want to talk about, like Pooh Jetter's like a hooper. Like he, he's going to play until his legs fall off. Like he, he just has basketball uh, running through his his DNA. So yeah, when you're talking about playing against like experienced, grown players, uh, the physicality like that that's fighting definitely for jobs in the NBA too, man. Like the the opposing team had a guy that played an NBA game. That is a bigger accomplishment than uh, playing against a college guy that hasn't experienced that next level. Like that's something that you have to always remember about these ignite players is they're playing against adult men fighting and clawing for a chance to get a call up watching that uh, the Mexico city team. I'm like, damn, this reminds me of St. Mary's. They're just old heads that just know how to win. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I, I'm not one to be the expert on whether the, the G League is where it ranks in terms of maybe like the top European leagues, maybe where Luka Doncic came from. But there are some pros and cons to playing in the G League versus going to college. Like you said, I think the pros are you're playing against probably physically more similar players in that are uh, at the next level at the league. You are playing at, at the same length of the three-point line, same time of game. Um, it's basically NBA light. Uh, the disadvantage uh, I think is if you were to play against a top collegiate team, like I think a player like Paolo Bancaro or Jabari Smith is probably more talented and more similar to what you're going to see on a talent level than these players. And I don't think you get a true road environment. Like, like let's be real playing at the the Mandalay Bay or, you know, a Stockton, California, there's going to be a handful of fans there. It's not going to be like you're going you know, on the road to Allen Fieldhouse or or Cameron Indoor Stadium and, and playing in a hostile environment with, I think, a lot more to, to prove. Like, to be honest, I don't really know what they're playing for in the G League. I think they're just playing for personal pride. Like, you go to college, you're, you're playing to try to get to the tournament, try to win games, uh, advance as far as you can, win these conference titles, et cetera, and et cetera. There's so much more at stake. So I, I'm not going to say which which route players should choose i think there's pros and cons on both but it's just it's good to keep in mind uh the environment in, in the the atmosphere that these prospects pro or excuse me uh, g league or college are participating in and so to kind of keep that in, in context i mean those g leaguers are pros so like it, it, it's a different league but 
I mean, there, there's definite talent on it. And if, and if we're talking Dyson Daniels, I think like his archetype would be like a two-way, two-way guy that can do a little bit of everything. Is that kind of how you would uh, uh, archetype him as like a two-way that can contribute in bits and pieces of every part of the game? Like, I think defensively, he is a pretty high-level defender. Like, I, I think that he's very smart as a defender he uses his length he uses that that wingspan in a uh, positive good light I, I i think the defense right now is where you say dyson daniels nba player because of the defense because of the iq i i i watched that mexico's uh game and i thought there's some really good rotations that he did off ball to get to like on the nail in help defense, just being a good defender on G league ignite makes you look like an all world defender. Cause there isn't that much defense being played on that G league ignite team. So what, what did you think about his defense? Cause I, I think that that is absolutely the number one thing that he's uh, providing. I would say, you know, we've kind of done the deep dive, 15 to 20 prospects now since January, probably aside from Chet Holmgren, he's the most unique prospect that I've had the chance to really uh, digest. He to me is a two-way playmaker where he is going to make his, he's going to earn his bread on the defensive end right off the bat. Um, you, You look at the size, he has really good size to play the two or the three whether he's 170 or 200, he could stand to bulk up a bit. He definitely needs to get. He to get has stronger. some strength issues for sure. But the intelligence and positionality, mm-hmm. like he knows how to get in a stance. I don't think I've seen a player go from uh, straight up to get down in the stance and then move his feet laterally as, as, as good as Dyson Daniels, this, this draft class, like the way he's able just to move his hips and he slides so gracefully with those guards that he's defending. And what I noticed right off the bat, and this is a really good way to not get called for fouls. Is he lets the, the, the offensive player actually initiate a little bit of the contact and he kind of absorbs it. He's not very, he's not rigid at all. He's very fluid in everything he does on ball defensively. Like I, I think he has such a high ceiling when it comes to uh, playing on ball. Like he does a really good job of getting his hands up when he's on ball. He, he's locked in. Uh, he makes a really good attempt. He's fighting over screens. Uh, he just takes a pride in, in, on that end of, of the floor so I think his two-way potential is is through the roof. Um, Do you think he has the speed to guard ones? So that's something I was going to bring up. Like I've seen some scouting reports that say he's you know going to be able to guard one through threes. I don't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he hits a ceiling, yes. Right now, I think he's guarding your twos and your threes. Yeah, and I don't fours on occasion, has, I think. Yeah, th- some fours. But yeah. I think the, the twos and threes is where he'll be able to, to really go in and, and lock in. I don't know if he's going to be able to stick with uh, the the Jaw Morants uh, of the world. Like those, I think De'Aaron Fox or Jaw is just going past them. They're just going even Emmanuel quickly. Like uh, those type of just jitterbug, extremely quick, uh, fast twitch athletes. I just don't think he's got that top end athleticism mm. to be 
the the uber all world defender, right? Like uh, the Bam Adebayo type of the Drew Holiday. Like I don't think he has that type of capacity. Now he's he's elite, but I, I just don't. I think you have to um, kind of re- restrict your your optimism when it comes to guarding those point guards. Like I think he can hold his own, but he's still going to probably pick up some fouls. He's going to have to get a little bit more crafty, but I, I think he's going to have. Uh, an easier time with, with a bigger guard, maybe like a Josh Hart or Devin Booker, like somebody who's not as fast twitch. Um, that type of guard wing player is where he's going to be able, you're going to be able to put him on. But the point guards, that, that, that's going to be a little tough. Uh, one thing I love about him, though, is he's not afraid to challenge at the rim. And I noticed a few times he had a just a couple of incredible blocks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember against Mexico City. One was called for a foul, and it was just complete bullshit. He got all ball. And then watching clips of him, like this, just wasn't just a one-off occurrence. He was able to meet and hit the defender at the summit and just cleanly take that away. He shows a lot of chase down uh, capabilities as well. So you're really never safe in the open floor uh, with him, him, uh, you know, tracking that ball. So I really love that in a defender. Like if you're not afraid to get, to get uh, dunked on, I think that's a fantastic trait to have because you can't, you can't make a posterizing block without getting posterized once in a while. For sure. What did you think about him offensively? Because I have some I have some takes. I think he is a bad dribbler. I saw him get walled up. I saw him get the the ball took. I think he is a good playmaker. I think dribbling is going to be a humongous factor for him. Because I, I I think that I think that that dribbling is going to be a uh, legitimate thing. And when you're when you're playing on the edges, like I think Dyson Daniels will will be you got to be able to shoot the ball. And I, I, I'm very, very uh, skeptical, skeptical that he will be able to take and make threes. Cause there's a, there's a three point hesitancy. I really, really enjoy his playmaking. I think that I wouldn't say that he is like an incredible playmaker, but I think he is an average playmaker. And then when he gets into the paint, he's good. But I mean, me saying somebody's an average playmaker is pretty damn high praise because there's a lot of bad playmakers. In the, I mean, in yeah, the I, I mean, I, I would even say I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, he just turned 19 years old. So we're looking and he's playing like not in a structured system. Like with the game we watched, they said that Jason Hart, he's going to start all the draft eligible players. Like you're basically playing a damn McDonald's All-American game at this point. Like there's very little uh, probably continuity in chemistry. They don't play a ton of games. Uh, so I. And he was acting like he plays with Scoot Henderson, who's going to be a top three pick next year. And he plays with Jaden Hardy, who could go in the first round this year. He was still their primary ball handler. So for him at this level, again, playing against grown men, at, he was doing all this at 18 years, 18 years of age because he just turned 19. I, I was really impressed with this playmaking. I think what separates him is he plays at his own pace. And I, I think you have to um, keep that in mind when you're watching him because he's not slow. He's just patient. And, and I, there are shades of, of Kyle Anderson. There are shades of yeah. Brandon Roy in terms of this is how he's going to play. And you're going to adjust to him and not the other way around. Because I, I would say like when I was watching, I remember vividly liking Kyle Anderson at UCLA. And I was like, oh, this guy's so slow. How is he still getting to his spots? How is he still, you know, playmaking for others and finishing around the rim? It's just he, he goes at, he's very deliberate. 
Um, and when I, when we do these future Fridays, Sage, the first thing I put is like, is there a flash of brilliance? And I saw one from, from Dyson Daniels aside from, or excuse me, it included this. He dribbled into the middle of the floor. Again, he's going a little bit slow, but he's playing deliberate and he just kind of stops and he just does a step through layup on one end and he where just, he holds the ball high. Yeah. yeah. And the d- defender just had no, didn't know what to do. It's almost like when you're a batter in baseball, I know we do a lot of, of football analogies. We're going to do a baseball one here. Like you're a batter and it's, it's like almost going from a 99 mile an hour fastball, you know, John Morant to now all of a sudden somebody's throwing you some Jamie Moyer, 50, 60 mile an hour, you know, changeups, breaking balls. Like, he is such a change of pace. Like when I say he's unique, he is incredibly unique. You don't play against guys like this all of the time. So it's hard when you're programmed to like be instantaneous uh, reactions. And now you got this guy coming at you kind of slow and deliberate and methodical. Like he knows what he wants to do. That's very tough to defend because there's not a lot of those players out there. So he had that step through layup um, on one end. And then he followed it on the other end with that incredible block at the top of the backboard. So, or the box of the backboard. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that was incredible for, for him. Yeah. His dribbling is going to have to get tightened, but again, I'm not too concerned about that. That's something he can work on. Again, we're talking about a, a 18, just turned 19 year old prospect. Um, I, I will say that I am more concerned about uh, the jump shot at, oh, this, yeah, it's at, at this stage. I do like the form. Um, I think he's got a pretty smooth release. He does have a bit of a, of a windup um, mm-hmm. near his abdomen before letting it fly. Uh, the release does need to become quicker. But again, we're, we're not looking at him shooting three feet in at the collegiate level. He's taking NBA threes. And he's, like I said, he's still relative. He's a teenager. So I think once he gets more strength and he gets into a shooting coach, that's going to tell him, this is how you're going to want to, you know, get your body ready to shoot these catch and shoots. Like you're going to want to generate some momentum. I think the added strength, because one thing I noticed he's missing front rim a lot. So that tells me it's a, it's a strength issue. Like he's, he's online a lot of the times, like I believe he can get there with a the shot. I think it's going to take a couple of years because you're going to have to get that strength, but We've even seen a player like Keon Johnson, who the shot was ugly with Los Angeles. It was ugly at Tennessee. And he has shown marginal improvement in his short time period with the Trailblazers. Like it, it can work. I don't think we're uh, working with a player like a Rondé Hollis Jefferson or a Michael Kidd Gilchrist, where it, there's very little chance of that ever becoming um, an elite average from, from three. So I think that is going to really determine the level of a player that he can become like, can he get the jump shot? Some people can, some people can't. Um, I tend to think with hard work, a good shooting coach and confidence from a coaching staff, the player can turn it around like more times than not, I'll bet on the player becoming a, a good shooter. As long as I don't see anything too uh, significantly off with the form and, and the form looks workable to me. So I think you just have to be patient with him. But if, if a team who drafts him is willing to really put in the development hours with Dyson, we're going to be looking maybe five years down the line and saying, why didn't he go higher in this draft? I, I think that w- another thing that he's really great at is when a, a G League team is stupid and closes out on him, he attacks that closeout and he has a really good floater. He's so crappy it, as hell in the, in the paint. It, it shows that he has a touch 
there's like some craft and he shows some craft finishes and he uses that floater. So, you know, that there is something like some skill there with, with the touch. So maybe if he expands his game a lot, he can uh, show some, some, some three point flashes, but as of right now, it, it's, it's pretty awful. Yeah. Um, you don't want him shooting, right? He needs, no, to no, go no, into no. The, he needs to go into the lab and, and work on that both physically, mentally, and get it get it corrected. I mean, if if he had, I think even a decent jump shot right now, he's probably top five, top seven pick, easy. Where That's, do you have him? Like, I think that he's a fifth starter on a on a team. I, I, I you don't want him to be your main playmaker. He's going to be the guy that does the dirty work around the edges and plays good defense. Uh, do you have an expanded role for him, or is that kind of where it is? I mean, right now or where he can top out at? Uh, I'm just going to say most likely outcome. Most Okay, most likely outcome, uh, fourth, fourth starter. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the defense alone is going to put him high up on that, that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the playmaking, too. I mean, just an outlet. Because if you think about it, how valuable is Draymond Green? You put him in that middle of the... Of or the, Lonzo. Yeah, you put them in the middle of the floor and he's a decision maker. He's not going to get scared. Like I said, I think the patience pays off in this instance because he doesn't get sped up. He plays at his own pace, so he's going to be able to pick apart uh, the defense. And like you said, he's got a nice floater. Um, he's, he has good size. Like once he fills out, he's going to be able to finish at, at the lane and you're not going to be needing him to shoot a ton of threes if you're using him as an outlet. I mean, think of all the times we talked about Teams are double and tripling game to stop him. Where has that outlet been? I mean, it's not Nurkic. Nurkic gets sped up too much. You know, you really need someone like a Draymond or a Ben Simmons that can, okay, I'm going to be that secondary uh, handler. I'll make the decision. I will distribute it to a shooter. Like I may not be the shooter now, but I can find someone who could help you. So I think whatever team gets him, if you're creative and utilizing him, you could unlock something that very few players have and very few teams have. Uh, I think you need to have that dynamic playmaker to break down the defense and then he'll attack that broken defense. He's a linking player, just like, you know, Lonzo Ball and Draymond. They're not going to create that that initial distraction for the defense, but they will surely attack it. So I think that if a coach can put him in that right role, I think Dyson Daniels is a quality player. Okay. Um, one thing I noticed about Daniels was he averages over six rebounds per game. And while I didn't see the aggressiveness at all on the glass in this game against Mexico city, there were clips that showed him attacking the glass. So, I mean, we've discussed this, I think ad nauseum, we love guards who could rebound the basketball even better Dyson Daniels has shown tremendous touch on outlet passes and he shows grab and go potential. So he can get that ball and initiate the, the break himself. I think that adds another layer of desirability if you're a coach or a GM, because the, the more players you have that can create, it, it just makes it, it so much easier. You basically can skip a step in the process. You don't have to say, okay, like imagine if Maurice Lucas, right? He gets the ball, great outlet passes. But if he could have just also picked up that ball and initiated the offense, you're you're taking a step away from where that ball needs to go. And now the defense has to pay additional attention. So the more things you can give a defense to process, I think it, the more stress it puts on them. And over the course of 48 minutes, 
more breakdowns will occur because of that stress. So, um, to be honest, I was really excited to, to watch him. Like I was very skeptical uh, of the G league and it was just nice. Like I said, like the collegiate basketball is over NBA is winding down. You can kind of focus on, on this prospect. And I didn't expect uh, an 18 year old playing in the G league to take so much pride in, in the defense. Now I, I will say the off ball defense, I think needs work. Uh, I saw clips where he, sticks with his man and, you know, picked off a few uh, passes to, to the paint um, does play the passing lanes. Well, at times in this game particular, and again, it comes with a teenager playing basketball. They're going to be inconsistencies. Um, he can get flat footed at times. Uh, he does ball watch and he does leave his man open at the arc, which you, you cannot do it at the NBA level, especially if you're guarding a league average shooter. Um, and I would say he, there's like, with other prospects, um, I think Matherin is another one. He needs to improve his hand movement. Um, he doesn't really raise them off ball as much as I think he should. So, but again, we're talking about a teenager off ball defense, I think is much more complicated and complex than playing on ball. Absolutely. There are a lot of schemes you have to watch, you know, are you switching? Are you staying with them? Are you going over? Are you going under? Like, are you getting ran through multiple screens? So again, that will come with time. But given with how intelligent that he looked on film, I, I think he's going to be able to pick it up, especially if he gets with the right team. You know, you get him the right vet that can show him the ropes. Think of him like with PJ Tucker or Draymond mm-hmm. Green telling him what to do. On, I mean, just just soaking it up like a sponge, um, all of that knowledge. Uh, I was really impressed with with Dyson Daniels. Yeah, I think he's a very uh, smart, good player. Do you have him in your lottery or would he be an outside the lottery pick for you? I would feel very comfortable taking him in the lottery. Really? Like uh, over, over got, well, obviously Ty Ty Washington, but would you, what about Johnny Davis? Again, it depends on what you're looking for. I think he's a similar tier, maybe, maybe a smidge lower, but I, I, I could be, um, pursue persuade into putting him in the same tier as a Johnny. Like I, again, I think if Portland right now is picking 12, if new Orleans doesn't make the playoffs, if you get your big, whatever big it is uh, with your first pick and you're looking for like maybe in maybe Jalen Duran's off the board, like I would rather have Dyson Daniels than, than Ochai Abaji. I would rather have Ochai because of the shooting. And I, See, I, I, I mean, just, I believe, I believe yeah, in the I'm not a fan of Abaji. I, I think. I think he's going to be this year's Aaron Neesmith where I, I fell in love with Neesmith and he just has been kind of a bust. I, he didn't have an impact. Like they, they don't. Well, I think, I think the, I think that his biggest swing factor is the playmaking. He doesn't create for himself or others and you need somebody to spoon feed him shots, but at least he can hit shots. So I, be, I believe in that. And I think that he's a good defender. So. I mean, yeah, yeah so I, 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 I expect zero uh, creation from Ochai Abaji. Yeah, I would I would take him over Abaji. I would take him over Ty Ty Washington. Um, yeah, Ty Ty in this team is absolutely a no-go. I mean, even just even if we needed a point guard, I, I would take him over him. I, I think he is going to be one of the best risers in this draft class. Like, I think he's going to go – he's projected – 
think the ringer also has him going. He's 13 on Tankathon. 13th, 13th on the ringer. And Tankathon has him going 12th. So late lottery. I, I think when June rolls around, don't be surprised if he goes in the top 10. Damn. He is. I, I think he's outside looking in on my, uh, on my board. Yeah. I'm, I, I really like Dyson Daniels as, as a prospect. I, I think he's unique. Uh, is he ahead of Jeremy on your personal board? Because I'm looking at Tankathon, and Tankathon has him at 15. Jeremy, at that's 15. a really tough question. Um, and the ringer has um, Jeremy Sohan right now going eighth, uh, so they have him a little bit higher. That's difficult. I really love Sohan. Um, I think he has more defensive potential versatility like i think he could really start to guard one through five so i think they're close um i think dyson daniels has the offensive upper hand like he can actually create for himself and for others he has a floater um i think the forms are better on the jump both jump shots uh, need improvement but i think the forms better for daniels um, I think it just depends. I think that's going to come down to personal team preference. Mm-hmm. Do you need a, Do you need a player who's going to guard one through five, or do you need just a strictly wing defender who can play make? Um, I, I think they're they're probably you know A and B on my boards, very very close in in tiers. Yeah, I'd go Jeremy. Um, Dyson Daniels is a good player, but there's there's some factors, especially the shooting, and I, I think the 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 dribbling part of playmaking is is pretty rough for him. But is that is that all you have on your new boyfriend Dyson Daniels? I just think he's a good player. I mean, I I, I really liked him as a prospect. What's your what's your floor? Hmm. Rotation specialized wing uh guy that defends two positions and uh playmakes at a league average level. Do you not have uh, comps? No, because I did all of my uh, I did all of my watching last night, so it was hard to think of a comp. But I think Kyle Anderson is a good one. I'll go Evan Turner. Um, I, I think Evan Turner can guard the two and the three, guard some slower ones. You don't want him shooting open jump shots. He has a nice float game. Uh, played in the league for you know ten plus years. Made some uh, money too. Made a lot of money. So Evan Turner is my my floor. My middle of the road is Nicholas Batum. Uh, Looking at a player who can grab and go. The defense uh, of Nicholas Batum, the chase down blocks, uh, just the ability to to defend multiple positions. Uh, I do believe in Dyson Daniels. I do think he's going to get a a league average jump shot, which I think Batum has. Uh, Batum is a bit streaky. So I think you're maybe looking at maybe a little bit more consistent Nicholas Batum, a six six version compared to a six nine. Um, what do you do? You have any? Uh, I would say Evan Turner is my seventy fifth, and then okay. my, my ninety nine is. Uh, I don't think you want to hear it. Who? It, so there are so many factors for him. So if he becomes just a marksman from three, I think mm-hmm. you're looking at like. Mikhail Bridges, that type of defense. I'm not mad at it. I just don't see the shooting. Well, again, he's a teenager. So Mikhail Bridges wasn't shooting like this when he came out of the draft either. 
Um, uh, I'm just saying when, like, when you're that bad as a shooter, I just don't see a 20% flip in your percentages. But again, I think it's a strength issue. You're going to go in the gym. You're going to work out. Like I, I've seen transformations like Will Barton coming into league was a God awful shooter. Now he's fantastic. Like it, it happens. Now some players, they never figure it out. Sebastian Telfair never figured it out, but I, I believe he's too intelligent of a player. Like if I just think he's going to figure it out. Okay. Um, totally. If, if he is able to really unlock the defensive. So let's say the shooting kind of stays the same, but if he's able to really unlock his defensive uh, potential on and off ball, I think he could be a six, six version of Ben Simmons. So he's not going to be able a threat to shoot, but he's going to defend one through three, maybe one through four and play make at, at Simmons's level, especially uh, at the, the, the free throw line. I, I, I think that Ben Simmons is a far better playmaker than, than well, a, the 99 percentile. Yeah. Okay. Like these are pie in the sky right here. So I'm not saying he's that. I, I guess I'm stuck on, on the ground floor with Evan Turner, but I, I think he's good. I just don't think he's uh pie in the sky. Ben Simmons. Good. <laughs> hey, I, I like the creativity and you actually took time to make comps. So I can't really be hating when I didn't participate. Can I? And then this is like not nine. This is like a hundred percent. Like, so he completely, if, if he, if he like does the Giannis, right. You, t- you take Giannis like 15th overall and he becomes Giannis. If he like maxes, like if you're able to unlock like some 2K bug where you can't go nine, you can 100% max everything out. I saw a lot of Brandon Roy. If he hits, he does not have a pull up jump shot right now. I, I know that he he does not have that, but just the the methodical pace, I think the size if he is able to somehow become that get, gets, get a, gets a dribble package. Yeah. I Cause thought, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not as familiar on Brandon as you, but like Brandon he has is coming, a better dribble package. He is, but Brandon was the player who wasn't a point guard, but was a point guard grabbed a lot of rebounds, had a lot of assists, like filled up the stat sheet, like a lot of games that Dyson Daniels played, like he's filling up the stat sheet across the board. So I, I would say it's it's unlikely, but uh, Brandon Roy again was a unique player, and, and that's where I keep coming back to to Dyson Daniels. It's like I haven't really seen another player come out of college that that I thought could be a Brandon Roy. Maybe since like I thought Evan Turner in college had a chance, it didn't work out for him. But I mean, again, I, again, this isn't. I'm not saying Dustin says Dyson Daniels is Brandon Roy. I'm saying like if. 100% Dyson Daniels is unlocked. I, I see probably the most glimpses of B-Roy in him that I have of, of really any prospect since Brandon was drafted um, in, in 06. Like the, neither of them is a crazy athlete, but they just have an intelligence. They know how to play the game. Like I didn't think Brandon Roy was going to work at the NBA level. Then you draft him, you're like, oh, yeah, th- this guy knows what he's doing. Like the game comes natural to him. I mean, that's why the wheels dubbed him the natural. Mm -hmm. Um, I I see some similarities there. If I were to guess on the 99th percentile, I think it's probably closer to Mikhail Bridges than than any of those other three players, just because I think 
I think the shooting is going to be the easiest for him on the catch and shoot level. I think really having a, uh, if we're talking B-Roy, the, the dribble package and the pull-up jumper, that, that takes a lot of That's work. a lot of. That's a rep. lot. Not, not, a, not a lot of players out. have that in, in their bag or ever get that. Uh, and then I don't know if he's ever going to have the defensive positional uh, versatility that, that a Ben Simmons does. I mean, Ben Simmons can really guard one through five. So it's hard to say someone's a six, six Ben Simmons because six, nine is what makes Ben Simmons. So, so lethal mm, on so the end of the floor. So I, I would say floor, you're looking into Evan Turner, middle of the road, most likely outcome Nicholas Batum. And then I think 99, my, my most likely 99th scenario is Mikhail Bridges. So I think you would be, I think teams right now, I mean, you're looking at potential defensive player of the year in Mikhail Bridges, a huge linchpin to the, the Phoenix Sun success as they go for their first uh, ever NBA championship. I like it. I don't believe that it's true, but I like it. <laughs> so do you want to talk Hardy next or do you want to talk Marsh and Bochamp? I mean, to be honest, I didn't really like any of the other players. On... Really? Even the three point, like we, we saw the hottest Hardy has ever been. Yeah, but it, then he also bricked a lot of open three. I, yeah, I, that's, he gets the tunnel vision, and I, I for a point guard, I don't think he's a one. First. Yeah, that's the thing. If if you're yeah. not a one and you're that small and you you're not a knock, like you just said, we saw the hot, hottest he's ever been. That means he's not a consistent jump shooter. Yeah, he's about like a thirty five percenter. But the thing that captivated me was his footwork as a shooter, like that, the, like. Everything looks so good until the shit he shoots it. Like it it makes you think like, why is this? Why is he missing? Why is he missing so bad? The, the, the prior on him was he is a sharpshooter and really nothing else. And then Hart, the coach Hart showed that he can, I think he's a pretty damn good penetrator and he has a bag that gets him to the basket. Him actually completing the shot is difficult as hell. But at least he gets there. We haven't seen Anthony Simons get to the paint as easy as uh, Jaden has. So I, I, there's things that you can work on with Hardy as a as a off ball scorer, as a guy that can penetrate. He he does the read and react type of thing as a as, as a penetrator. Like if the help comes from the corner, he'll pass it to the corner and. Ball placement's terrible, but he'll get it to the person. So there's things that you can work on. And the footwork and the everything about what he's doing before he actually shoots the ball. And I feel like his release and shot's fine. It's just missing a lot. I don't know. Like, if we had the 25th pick, I would absolutely think about Hardy as a a, first, a late first. Like, there, there's tools. Yeah, and I, I just... When you're a six four guard and you're not and you not really a point guard, what has kept CJ McCollum in the league? His elite offensive abilities and a marksman from downtown can create his own shot. He that that keeps him in the game, makes up for his defensive tendencies or laps on the defensive end of the floor. I see a lot of Eric Bledsoe in him, and Eric Bledsoe was basically unplayable for the Bucks a few years ago when they were making their their runs, like. He might be a decent pick late in the first round, but I, I don't think the Blazers need another 
six Eric, through guard that yeah Eric Bledsoe type of player like I'm willing to take a chance on Jaden Ivey at because he's a six four guard but that's because he's an elite and I don't th- I don't think Hardy's a six four to be completely real I think no I do not I saw I was like I, I just I just looked up I was like there's no way that dude that's some generous yeah that's a generous hype but I I think that there's tools like the fact that he can shoot and can get to the basket. There, there's something to work with if you're a coach that's creative enough to uh, utilize them. And I think Bochamp, he has a good pull-up. He has a good set, uh, dribble pull-up for two. And then I really don't think, uh, shit, who's their big? I think Michael Foster, is, I, I don't want to be an asshole, but I think he's one of the worst players I've ever watched. Yeah, I, I I don't think he's an NBA prospect. No, I think he's overseas or maybe G League uh, forever. Like I looked up and I was like, okay, he's a four star coming out of high school. Um, I like I was like, maybe it's just some five star player that just was like over over prepped or over over hyped, overrated. No, he's just a you know, four star player, top fifty caliber. Like, but he has a slingshot for a shot. Um, I, I, it's kind of like the trebuchet, like behind the head shot. Yeah, I was like, is Bill Cartwright out here, you know, busting out threes, uh, just zero touch around the basket, uh, really looking to get his own shot. Like, I, I, I he don't. He thinks he's the best player on a team with Scoot Henderson. Yeah, I just, I, I didn't. What I about Henderson? In... What did you think about him? It's really tough when you're watching. Now, this kid's 17 years old. So he's 17 years old. How many times did they say that? So it's, it's really hard because you're, it's also hard because everyone is, is hyping this player up. So you're like, you're really wanting to see some stuff. And I, I need to see more. Like, obviously you see the physical tools and he's incredibly quick and he, he's built, but I've also seen prospects who were just good because they were so much physically uh, stronger than, than their competition, even at a, a G league level. Like I think what I would like to see him uh, this, this next season, just shoot. Can I, can I see you shoot a little bit more? What, what is, what is it, can you become a knockdown shooter? I mean, I think that's, you know, what really, obviously the, the, um, the knee injuries derailed Derek Rose. Um, but that was going to be the question for D Rose. Yeah. You won an MVP, but can, are you able to, um, excuse the call. Are you able to advance your game as you grow old? Like that, I think that could really make him the generational prospect that I think some are talking about. Like once you hit, th- like watching Russell Westbrook right now kind of deteriorate before our eyes. Yes, he is a 75 best players of all time, but that the game is not aging gracefully for him. So is he, is Scoot going to be able to, to just get a jump shot? Like, I just want to see that from him. Like, that's great. You can run by and dunk on players. Like, yes, fantastic. But I think I'm looking he can for- pass and... I was really impressed with his defensive, how he defends and how he was just like manipulating his body to get the right positioning uh, defensively. I, I'm, I would like to see more of him, but he's fucking good. <laughs> yeah, and I think Bochamp just need he needs to not go to the league. I think he needs more time. He's gonna he's gonna he's enter the Ochai draft. age, bro. Marjon Bochamp? Uh huh. He's Ochai age, bro. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. No, he's only 21. Isn't Ochai only 21? No. 
He, Marchand is an older prospect. Oh, you're prospect. right. Ochai Abaji is 21 years uh-huh. old. Okay. okay. I thought Abaji was 22. My bad. So, I mean, like, when you're comparing Beauchamp to a 19-year-old, it's like you expect more from the 22-year-old 22 man instead of the 18-year-old Dyson Daniels or uh, Hardy. It, it, it's I didn't because realize of his age. Was, I was tough. under the impression he was 19 years old. Yeah, I would. I he would be completely off my draft board at at 21 years of age. Yeah, like, I, I mean, like, I was like, he's he's got good build, got good build for for a wing, but there was there's nothing. some flashes of brilliance. But I think the best thing that I can talk about is that he's in the right place at the right time. He moves well with all the ball. His handle sucks. His handle sucks for being from Seattle, dude. When you think of a Seattle basketball player. You know that handle is fucking great. Brandon Roy, Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas. Bag on bag on bag. So it, it's weird to, you know, the comps on him was he was just this unbelievable scorer, but I'm, I just don't see it. Like he killed it in Juco, but he's he needs to beat that guy off the dribble for a layup. Yeah, he might be a, a second round pick, but I, I wouldn't take him in the first. Not knowing, oh. I, I thought he was 19. I was like, okay, yeah, there's, there's still some, but like, you're 21 in, in your show. Yeah. Uh, mm. mm-hmm. So you have anything else you want to say about this G league ignite team? We'll probably have to watch more of it just to get a better read on Dyson Daniels. But do you have anything else you want to say about this team or I think the spacing sucked. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really hard because like I said, the spacing sucks. The if you go to college, you're running the same two or three sets, trying to dump it down low to Drew Timmy or Oscar Shibway and saying, get out of the way. And Armando Baycott, well, whoever the, the big is, you're just dumping it in there and running your offense through that rather than running NBA sets. So it's hard to see what a player looks truly looks like at, at an NBA um, system. I know the G League plays at the same three point line, you know, the same shot clock, same length of game, but it's still not the spacing. It's it's still not quite there. So it's really hard to make that direct apples to apples uh, comparison. Um, I'm just really interested to see where a lot of these players start measuring out um, at the combine. You know, you look at a player like Daniels who is six, six and has he gotten stronger? What does that wingspan really look like? You know, there's certain prospects that were, Six four. Now they're six six. Like I think that makes a lot of difference in in the world. Like especially um, at the next level where you're going up against the best of the best. They're the most you know, quickest, the most strongest. You know everything. They are elite. Uh, probably the, the 400 best basketball players in the world play at this level. So even the the even an inch or two is a major uh, advantage. Um, but I really do think that that Daniels it was the the best draft eligible prospect by far uh, on this this roster, and I, I think he is going to be. I don't think he's the most like fit fit dominant player. Like the he needs to go to the right system to be to untap his potential. But I do think that that is going to be an issue for him. Like you mentioned. If he plays with a player like like Damian Lillard, who can draw that, I do because you you mentioned that if you have a a player who's going to break down the defense, he's exactly what Portland's been need. Like if you had him, 
when Portland was making those those uh, runs against the Pelicans or Warriors or what whatnot, had him as an outlet, give you some size on the wing. Um, I don't know if he works with Damian Lillard's timeline, but I think the player Damian Lillard, if Dame's going to say, "I want to be in Portland regardless of what you do," I think both players would would reciprocate really well off of one another. Just like you said, I don't think he's a primary ball handler. He can bring the ball up the court, but I just imagine Dame or Anthony drawing so much gravity or so many bodies to them, dumping it off for him to be that, that decision maker. Like he makes a lot of good passes. Like he, he makes a lot of good hockey assists and, you know, just him, you know, peppering the ball around the floor and whether it's lobbing it up to Nurk for dunk or kicking it out to, you know, Josh Hart for three, uh, whatever you want to do. Like, I think he would, uh, give the offense a lot of options. And then you're also able to play a weaker defender like Lillard, like a Simons and, and not worry about, because he can go and he's going to guard his man. Then you've got, you know, better defenders around them. Like, I, I just think Portland getting size and defense is going to be key for them because that's been their, their, their bugaboos really since Wesley Matthews tours Achilles uh, in, in 20. 15. So I do like the fit in Portland. I think it's going to come down to where Portland lands in the lottery. Are they able to keep, are they able to keep the new Orleans pick as, as well? Um, like, like what do you, there, there are prospects that I would pick ahead of him if we only could take one shooting guard. But if you have two picks and you're able to get like, let's say you take Jaden Ivey or you take Benedict Mather and whatever, I think the differences in Daniel's game allows you to take another guard if you want to, just because of what he brings to the table. I think he can complement a lot of players. And I think that's something that, that GMs are going to notice. Like you, he makes others around better. And there are players that like, he's a great linking player, as, as you have said. And that's, I think a compliment rather than uh, a detriment to, to that, that player. So, I mean, especially if you're able to move up in that lottery and take one of those three bigs, I think he's a player that could be around at 12 if you're able to keep that New Orleans pick and you're coming home with a really solid draft. You convinced me. I'm just worried about his shooting. I think it's a, it's a very fair point. Um, and I would say, like, we love Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey needs to work on his shooting as well. Like, I, I don't... You, you've, seen the, you've seen him pull up from NBA range and hit it, and he has, like, a, a confidence to him where I, I don't think... Dyson Daniels has that confidence to his well, game. Yet. I would a hundred percent agree with that. But, but I would say that even if Daniels had shown some of those shots that, that Ivy had done, he would be four or five spots on, on everybody's draft board. So like, I, I think when you're picking, and I think this is what happens when you go back and you look at like, man, why did Clay Thompson last until, you know, 10 or 11? Why did Booker last until like 14? Like, Kawhi, what, why was he 15? Like, it's because they, they, they got better. Like you have to, when you look at a player, you have to really see, okay, there's what you can do. And I believe that you're going to get better here, here, and here. Like there, there's very few prospects. They're just like, yep, you're signed, sealed and delivered. Tim Duncan, let's there, go. There's zero in this draft. Yeah, there's zero. I'm very, any, very rarely does it happen in, in any draft. Like I think Anthony Edwards is a really good point or a good uh, player to uh, point to where he had a lot of holes in his game, but he got better. Like he developed like a motherfucker and he just dropped a career high 49 points 
against the San Antonio Spurs last night. He's doing things that I didn't think he was going to be able to do, but Minnesota believed that he would. So a lot of it comes down to the player, um, the intangibles, the work ethic, uh, the system. So there, there's just so many factors. So I think if he goes to the right system, uh, he gets a coach that doesn't kind of uh, pigeonhole him into a role. If he goes to Isn't a, that exactly what John C. Billups is going to do? You hope not, but you you just really never know. I mean, I you did see you know players like like Anthony and, and Nasir get get an uptick in their games. Now, could that be due to coaching, or could it just be to natural progression? Because it is year three for Nasir, and he was finally healthy until he wasn't healthy again, and then Anthony was kind of forced into a, a larger role. And I mean, once. like the fact that we had so many injuries and. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, they the got usage, to take those shots. Yeah, the usage was there. It's like somebody had to do it. So um, you don't really know what the cause of the the, the uptick in, in production is. But if you, if you believe, like if you just say like, I think there's a difference when I look at a shot like Hollis Jefferson and uh, a Keon Johnson or a Dyson Daniels. It's like, okay, the form is like, I can't break you out of that form. Like you've been shooting that jump shot since you were eight years old. Like that, that's something that just probably can never be fixed because you have 15 to 20 years of muscle memory Mm -hmm. ingrained in you. Like this is how you shoot the ball. But if your form looks good and you know, maybe it's just like, okay, here's how you need to position your body. Here's where you need to, to catch the ball. I think you can work on a quicker release. Now, do I think you can can you teach a release like Steph Curry or Clay Thompson? No, that's, that's, that's natural. Like that, that comes to them like they work on it, but that's natural, but you can work on the mechanics. Um, you can get them to speed it up a bit. You can say, okay, we're going to catch the ball here rather than here. And you can go in the weight room. I, I mean, and I, I mean the ball placement of those guards bad. Absolutely. So. You play with the NBA level point guard. They're going to put it, they're going to put the, the biscuit right in the basket. Yeah. Um, I mean that I think the biggest swing factor is the shot, and I'm not trying to. I I've made it a rule of mine. I'm not trying to project bad shooters into league average ones. It's hard. Like you just. You I mean, it, it's it's such a it, with where we are as a team, shooting is the most important thing. Well, I think in the NBA, the shooting. I mean, you have to be able to shoot to play. I mean, the only way you can't be a good uh, a non-shooter is if you have KD, Kyrie Irving, and Joe Harris. Like, or you're like, yeah, or you're or Steph Curry's on your team or you're, you know, seven plus feet tall yeah. and you're an incredible defender like that. That's where you hang your hat on. So yep. you can get get away with that. But you only have one non-shooter max on the floor. And use is going to be that every second he's on the floor. So, yeah, but I, I, I really um, enjoyed Daniels more than more than I thought I would. I mean, there's a lot of preconceived biases I had about the, about the G League. And so it was good to kind of get those out of the way and watch it with a clean slate. One thing I did is I didn't read any scouting reports. I didn't look at any um, comparisons, but I watched him just like completely fresh eyes. And what I like, I like doing that because then I like to take my notes and I go read the scouting reports that other people have put out and say, okay, here's where I, we, we have similarities. Oh, I'm higher here. I'm lower here. Um, oh, my comps are kind of close. Like, so it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting to see like where my evaluation of a player is in comparison to other people. Like nobody is uh, perfect at this. We are, it's like an opinion. Everyone's got one. Um, so it, it was really fun to look at Dyson Daniels. I think the next player, Sage, we need to look at is someone who 
has declared for the draft and he kind of like did the meteoric rise uh, from beginning of the season to where he is now. It's um, Malachi Branham. Boom. I've been trying to get you to go Ohio state from Ohio. I don't fuck the, first of all, fuck Ohio state. So that that's that, but um, it's time. Like yeah, Branham and uh, Liddell, EJ I'll Liddell. Probably, yeah, I'll probably, like I said, it's hard for me to to do two and one. So I might a little bit in Liddell, but I'm really going to focus on Branham. I think he could be there uh, if Portland has two picks. Um, he's projected right now top 20, but he, like I said, nobody thought he was going to be a one and done when he was recruited to Ohio State. So he will be our next uh, future Friday. We'll be back on Sunday with the the season finale episode of Holy Backboard. We will know where the Blazers stand going into the draft lottery to a point. Well, we won't know whether New Orleans has made the play-in, the playoffs from the play-in until the following week, but we will have a good idea where Portland will be um, positioned into the lottery. And then we will... uh, Take it from there with continuous draft coverage leading up to the draft lottery in May and the draft uh, in June. 